Welcome to Negotiation Made Simple, the podcast designed to help you master the art of negotiation and win your next deal. I'm your host, John Lowry. In this episode, we're going to look at what makes a great negotiator. Now, there are a lot of people who negotiate every single day, but there are not a lot of people that negotiate really well and really strategically every single day. I want you to be one of those people and you can do it by mastering six things that I'm going to share with you in this episode. Let's go ahead and get after it. I want to invite you inside the minds of great negotiators. I want to give you a sense of how they make decisions and how they manage this process. The reality is, is that great negotiators, people who stand out in managing this process, They think differently and they act differently. There are things that are intuitive that they'll actually do the opposite of. And the reason is, is because these folks, they're able to make decisions. They're able to make moves based upon what is strategic as opposed to just what is comfortable. I think that is the absolute biggest thing that separates people in terms of using this process to generate outstanding outcomes is those that are comfortable enough to get away from what just feels right and people who are willing to do things in this process, even though they might be uncomfortable, even though they might not feel right, they're willing to do the things that are necessary to deliver an outstanding deal. So, What is it that great negotiators know about this process? What is it that they do differently? Well, the first thing is they manage themselves exceptionally well. It is said that the number one thing that you should focus on is the thing that you can control, and that is yourself. That's true for negotiation. It's actually true for a lot of things in life. But what you say and what you do, the decisions that you make, The offers that you put on the table, those things matter. They matter in terms of what that means for the process, but they also matter in terms of what all those things mean for the outcome. The influence that comes from those moves, that influence can positively impact things or it can negatively impact things. And so great negotiators know that they have to make really good decisions in this process. Otherwise, they can lead it astray. They also know when to take control of the process. I remember doing a mediation years ago. It was a medical malpractice case. And in the midst of this mediation, there was a moment where the mediator, before the two parties separated, the mediator said, is there anything that you all would like to say to each other? And I'll never forget my friend, Michael, who was one of the best negotiators I ever had the opportunity to work with, taught me a ton about this process. I'll never forget him looking across the table at a lady that was injured in a hospital who had filed a suit against the hospital. I'll never forget him looking across the table and basically taking control of the process with her. He acknowledged her attorney, but he wasn't speaking to the attorney. He knew that the answer to this deal lied in making sure that she was satisfied. What he also knew is that her interests, the things that were driving her in this process, 
They weren't money. She wasn't here to get rich that day. What she was there to do was to make sure that someone apologized to her for what happened, was to make sure that she could go back to that hospital if she needed any care, and to make sure that someone acknowledged the error that occurred and would make sure that it never happened again. And so in the confidentiality of this mediation, here was Michael, who was willing to do something that was very uncomfortable and seemed very counterintuitive to where he looks across the table and he apologizes for what happened during her hospital stay. He took responsibility for it. He told her that he believed her and that he was going to make decisions based upon her story and not anyone else's. But then he went even further than that. He went on to invite her back to the hospital to receive care again. And then he gave her his word that he would look into this process that led to the heir and make sure that no one else gets harmed as a result of anyone dropping the ball at the hospital. Now, what happened was so amazing. Literally, prior to that moment, we were hundreds of thousands of dollars apart. But the first moves out of the gate after Michael took control of the process and spoke directly to this woman, all of a sudden now that gap closed exponentially and settling that case that day was pretty easy. Now, Michael is someone I would consider a great negotiator. He was smart enough to know that He had to manage the process, but in order to do that, he was going to have to do something that was uncomfortable in terms of engaging this lady directly and doing some things that his counsel would probably advise him not to do. But he was smart enough to do it in the context of mediation to where it was totally confidential. Now, I've heard it said and had a friend of mine share this idea with me that I thought was really applicable here. He says that fortune follows the brave. And I think that's true in negotiation. There are moments where you have to take risks in this process. Michael took a risk in terms of communicating the things that he communicated with this lady. There are other folks that take risks in terms of the opening offers that they make and being ambitious with their opening offers. The reality is, is that this process is going to involve risk and fortune will typically follow those who are willing to be most brave. The other thing that great negotiators know is that there are two common approaches to negotiation and those approaches, they come to play at different moments in the process. Unsophisticated negotiators, they sometimes assume that a negotiation will be entirely competitive or will be entirely cooperative. What the great negotiators know is that there are moments in negotiation where it's really competitive and they have to be competitive. But they also know that there are other moments where it's a cooperative moment. And what's called for strategically is cooperation, not competition. And so really sophisticated negotiators, those that are great, at managing this process, they know when to be competitive, but they also know when to be cooperative. And despite however they're naturally wired, 
they are able to be effective at whatever strategy is required. Third thing that great negotiators know is that the most important move in this process is the very first move. It's a move that they take very seriously. Great negotiators don't walk into a room or don't send an email with the assumption that we'll just see what happens. What they do is they want to influence what will happen. And as a result of that, they know that their move, their opening move, requires a lot of thought, a lot of strategy, a lot of preparation, and a lot of care in terms of how it's delivered. And that move is probably the most influential move in the entire process. And as a result of that, great negotiators, they don't miss it. They take advantage of the opportunity that exists with that opening move. To give you a sense of the power of opening move, just look around and you'll see everyone trying to claim the first offer. When you go into a store, there's a price tag on everything. When you go to a car dealership, there is a sticker price. When you go and look at a home, there is an asking price. Uh, Those are the moments where really savvy negotiators know that putting the first number on the table is important. That's why sellers tend to do it. But what's interesting about this process is there's no rules in terms of who puts the first number on the table. In other negotiations that are less kind of consumer-oriented, oftentimes that's really a strategic decision about you want to make an offer, perhaps it's an offer that's not even solicited, or do you want to be the one that sits back and waits for the other side to put the first number on the table? That's a really important strategic decision that great negotiators know to make well. Now, one of the things that great negotiators also understand is that people tend to see negotiation as competitive. But the fourth thing I want to bring to your attention today about great negotiators is that they understand the power of cooperation. The power of competition, using power, using leverage, being able to say no, all of those things can drive great results. But many people, that's the only approach that they use. It's the only approach that they know. And as a result of that, there are a lot of deals that don't get done that otherwise should. Because when we are hyper-competitive, oftentimes the other side doesn't have any hope that there's a good deal for them. And so they walk away from the table or they don't pursue the conversation. And as a result of that, a lot of deals don't get done because people are looking to make every penny in the deal. Great negotiators, though, they have other tools in their armory. In addition to just being able to be competitive, they also know that there's great power in being cooperative. Now, the cooperative approach, it's really more of a problem-solving approach. Instead of trying to just capture value, what it looks at is how is it that we can get creative? How is it that we can work with the other side to create value? This is a great process to use with family members, with clients, with coworkers, with people that you want to have a really good relationship with after the negotiation. 
And the dynamics of cooperation, these are dynamics that, first off, can lead to deals that other people wouldn't get done, but they can also strengthen relationships within the context of a negotiation, which can be really, really good for a business relationship or for perhaps a marriage relationship or any other relationship that you might be involved in. And so don't discount cooperation. Uh, Cooperation is not weakness. Cooperation is not giving in. Cooperation is thinking in a different way about how to work with the other side to solve the problems that you need to solve together in order to achieve what each side wants to achieve. And so there's great power in a cooperative approach to negotiation. All right, the fifth thing is is kind of interesting. Uh, Negotiation involves a lot of tactics, and we've probably all seen a bunch of tactics in this process. Many of us probably use tactics. We have those things that we're proud of that we think works all the time. The reality about tactics, though, is that great negotiators, they're not just only good at employing tactics that work but they also know how to deal with a tactic that is being employed against them. Now, a tactic is anything that someone does to try to get an advantage in this process. And tactics vary. And tactics are very popular inside the negotiation process. And so, for instance, uh, I was doing a negotiation recently and there was two people on the other side and it was pretty clear I had a good cop and a bad cop. Uh, I had someone who was very encouraging, very optimistic in terms of being able to put a deal together. I had someone else who was playing hardball and said that it had to be this way. It was kind of this take it or leave it kind of approach. But I was dealing with a good cop, bad cop kind of situation. There are other tactics to where sometimes people just say, you know, here's the number. Here's the deal. You want it? You got it? If not, so be it. So sometimes people want to play those kind of tactics. Uh, sometimes people use the lack of authority as a tactic to where they'll say, eh, let's, let's try to negotiate a deal. Uh, once we get that negotiated, let me go check with my boss or let me go check with my manager or let me go check with my wife or whoever it is that they have to go check with. And then it, it's interesting how when they come back, they always need a little more to get the deal done. I mean, these are all tactics that you've got to deal with. And great negotiators know how to deal with them effectively and efficiently. And so as you think about growing as a negotiator, yes, spend some time thinking about tactics that might be useful to you, but spend more time thinking about how it is to identify a tactic, how it is that you're going to let the other side know to call them on their tactic, and then how you are going to negotiate the process before moving forward with it to make sure that it's a process that is tactic-free and not something that is subject to all these games that people play. Great negotiators, they deal with tactics really well. Another one of my colleagues that taught me a lot about this process, uh, he was a lawyer from the south side of Chicago, and he used to tell a story. He went bald very, very early in life in his like early 20s. And so here he is, a young lawyer, just out of law school, practicing in a big firm in Chicago. He's working on trying to get this case settled, has a meeting set with opposing counsel, goes over to opposing counsel's office, 
And he's sitting there waiting for this senior lawyer to come in the room. And senior lawyer comes in the room. And instead of kind of this cordial, warm greeting, he pops off with this remark saying, oh, they sent young Baldy to try to solve this case. Now, my mentor, he didn't really appreciate the comment. He didn't appreciate the personal attack. And so here was a moment where he had a decision to make. And he's like, I don't know if it was the most productive decision, but it sure felt good when he turned around and looked at that lawyer and said, they sure did. And they told me not to talk to anyone except for the old fat guy. So there are moments where you can tactic back and better, but sometimes that doesn't get things off to the best start. Uh, There are other moments where you can ignore the tactic, but recognize that that doesn't make it go away. Oftentimes that just invites more of it. And then there's the opportunity to say, okay, hold on. Let's not spend some time calling each other names here. Uh, Let's try to get this on a productive plane to where you literally are kind of negotiating the dynamic to make sure that you get rid of the tactic so that you can have a productive process. Great negotiators know that those tactics, they got to be dealt with before you can have a great process. And then I think the last thing I'll share with you about what I notice about great negotiators is they're really savvy in terms of how to bring satisfaction to everyone involved in a negotiation. They understand a couple of things about satisfaction and that satisfaction is not just with the outcome. But satisfaction also exists with how you treat people and the process that you use to get there. And so think about crisis management for a second. So many times we kind of know what the outcome is going to be, but companies and individuals and others, they get criticized for the response, for how it is that the, for the process that they use to respond to whatever the crisis is. And because they miss in terms of process, even though they come to an outcome that everyone is comfortable with, there's still a great deal of criticism because they don't employ a very strategic process. Other times, it may be an obvious outcome, but if people don't get treated very well in that process, it doesn't matter what the outcome is, they will not be satisfied. Great negotiators know that even if they don't like the person on the other side, even if that person has tried to get them, uh, even if that person has been perhaps a bit too aggressive, a bit too ambitious, even if that person has offended them, great negotiators know how to create a dynamic to where at the end of the day, that person can be satisfied. They also recognize that things like emotion, things like ego, those things that are personal to people, those are huge drivers in this process. So many people want to dismiss those things, but strategic negotiators, great negotiators, they know they can't be dismissed. They have to be things that are used. They're opportunities to be able to play into those things, to be able to generate a deal, to get those people to say yes to a deal that is good for everyone. And so Understanding satisfaction, understanding those things that drive satisfaction, understanding the human dynamic that exists at any negotiation table, 
and then playing into it as opposed to just trying to dismiss it, those are the things that really great negotiators do. Think back to the story I shared with you about uh, my friend Michael, who was negotiating a resolution of a lawsuit with this lady. Notice those things. So many people would just dismiss those things in terms of her desire to go back to get health care, in terms of her wanting recognition of what happened, in terms of her wanting to make sure that it didn't happen to anyone else. Those are things that were very personal to, the, to her. They weren't monetary in nature, but they provided some sense of satisfaction to her. And I think Michael was so brilliant to take control of that process and to deliver that satisfaction. And because he did, he then got what he needed in return. And that was her being more reasonable on the financial component of the deal. So there are six things right there that I want you to know about great negotiators. We're going to spend more time through this podcast thinking about these things. You can go to the website, thelowrygroup.net, and we have a whole online course that digs into these things in detail, what you are welcome to download and to purchase and to take advantage of. But these six things right here, these are six things that if you can be aware of them, if you can think about them, have them at top of mind, and then use this knowledge, it will greatly improve your negotiation outcomes and the things that you're able to do to make a difference as a negotiator.